Hey, 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 it's Casey with the Mojility Networks podcast and our co-host, Philip Tanner. Hello. How are you? We're doing great. Almost Christmas. It is almost Christmas. Uh, I want to say hi to some of the new listeners that we have, man. We're like gaining some traction. And we've got people that are actually responding and they're asking us different questions. It's working, man. It's it's like we're able to help people and give value. We are. I, I do laugh at some of the feedback, though. Some people like it. Some people think the music's too loud in the background. <laughs> I, had, I had a sales guy said it was too salesy, and I try not to keep it that salesy, but... I mean, we got to make a living, right? That's right. Our PayPal link is, yeah. you know, a little too soon. Venmo me. <laughs> <laughs> I take Bitcoin and Ethereum too. I take Toastums. So just send your po- your Toastums too. Do, do you think there's people out there that don't know what Toastums are? Yes. Because oh. they grew up with the full price Pop-Tarts. Oh, Oh, they weren't poor. That's right. Well, let's say you mentioned it was Christmas or Christmas is coming or right around the corner. All right. Uh, you have your Christmas shopping done. Almost. I got a couple of gift cards I got to pick up this weekend and then I'm done. Nice. So we're, this is a week ahead. So we're okay. What kind of info are we going to be giving the peeps today, Philip? Um, I want to talk about something really important. I want to talk about um, zero trust security and how network access control plays into a zero trust security model. Okay. There's a lot of misinformation and bad information around exactly what zero trust is. It's it's not as complicated as, as some people make it out to be. It's just an approach. So and we can go over a little bit about the history of how these security models came about. For example, in the beginning, you know, you're lucky if you just had internet and a router. So we're going back to like, you know, 2000, right? And after that, kind of treated your office, your headquarters as like a fortress, right? And mm-hmm. you considered everything inside the office as clean and good and entrusted, as you'd call it, and everything outside the office was dirty and bad, right? And so you had uh, just really simple firewalls that let the things inside the network out to the internet and let what it was going to come back. Well, that wasn't good enough because as we transitioned from desktops to mobile devices and smartphones, you had things coming in and out of the office. You started using cloud applications and things like that. So you could not keep that inside the office safe and clean and pure anymore. So uh, we went into the what's called the zone-based security model, which is people have heard of next-generation firewalls. Those kind of started the zone-based security model. And what that is, is inside your headquarters or your VPNs or other things like that, you divide those up into zones. And you consider everything in that zone trusted and clean and good and everything outside the zone is dirty and bad. Well, now that's starting to not become enough because... With the software as a service push and big push for cloud applications, your users are using more cloud applications than ever. So now you have to treat your network totally different because you have devices coming in and out of the network constantly, such as uh, laptops, people work from home environments and stuff like that. You have cell phones that people use at home, use at Starbucks, bring back into the network. And you have a lot of cloud applications, especially from public clouds. You're not doing your own clouds and your data centers and stuff anymore. So you have to have a security model that addresses everything. And so that's where zero trust networking comes in. And basically it's what it sounds like. Zero trust is you don't trust anything unless you know it's good and you specifically allow rules. So zero trust networking is an application-based security model. So you need to know who's on your network, what device they're using, and what applications they need to get to. And so you can be very granular in assigning users access to very specific applications. So you can have users that only can get to the internet 
in Office 365. They might not be able to get to anything else on your network. So it's um it's a, it's a different way of thinking of the security model. It's it's what's necessary now with the growing cyber threats. And that goes into, you know, we're very Wi-Fi centric when it comes to pushing our, the networks we design. And one of the key things for a Wi-Fi network and a wired network to help get you to a zero trust security model is what's called network access control. Is thinking of like um your network has a bouncer. <laughs> and this bouncer's big dude and you have a very exclusive nightclub which is your corporate network in yeah. this the the bouncer says wants to know who you are what you're doing here and where you need to go so i can't slip him a 20 and walk through the door no 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 okay. but but with that kind of security model you're by knowing who is behind the device and what the device is you can address where that device needs to go. Uh, I'll use Wi-Fi as an example. With Wi-Fi, with network access control appliance, you can do WPA2 enterprise encryption. And so you can have, let's say somebody authenticate onto the Wi-Fi network with their Azure directory or Office 365 directory credential. Okay, so that, that keeps you with your single sign-on policies. You've got one username and one password for everything your employee needs to get to. But by context, by what the NAC appliance knows about your device, you can do some really powerful things. So for example, if you connect with your iPhone and your iPhone doesn't have the right version of iOS that's approved for your organization, you can place that iPhone in a quarantine VLAN until the user downloads their update. And then when they reconnect, it'll connect to the proper corporate VLAN. This sounds like a lot more work for the person that's in charge of putting this together. I mean, you have to know what firmware updates or software updates these phones need, right? Yeah, but the, the network access control appliance does most of that work for you. Oh, yeah. I mean, so it's yeah, the so brain. You, it knows. Yeah. So you 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 select what uh, level, like, you know, you need to be this tall to ride this ride. So you need to be on this <laughs> version of iOS or whatever. Okay. And then the the rest is handled automatically. Now, uh, we, we have a network access control as a service that can do this. And it's much more cost effective than some other solutions because... Um, there you are getting salesy again. No, there's there's great solutions. No, I mean, Aruba ClearPass, Fortinet, Cisco Ice. Those are the three major enterprise solutions. There's some other good solutions out there from like um, Forescout. Yeah, these are great solutions, but for them to scale well and become cost effective, you have to have a lot of users. And so if you're a mid-market business that's got two or three or 400 users, they're not necessarily most cost effective. So we have um, a network access control as a service which makes those level of features a little more accessible for that that mid-market company that that needs the enterprise features, but they're not quite large enough to deploy the full-on enterprise solutions for some of the big vendors. Now, our technology is powered by a company called Portnox. Um, I, I like their solution. It's very good. It's a great fill for that, that market. And so it, we can do cost-effective network access control services for mid-market, but that's not necessarily what I would deploy in certain other environments. For example, a very compliance heavy environment. Portnox meets compliance, but compliance heavy for like federal. We're looking at Cisco ICE or Aruba ClearPass. And, and you're gonna have to deploy that as a private cloud or in your um, in your office space, just because um, it's not a public cloud type service that's available. To, to, to do what you're talking about, about how long does it take to implement this process? How long does it take? Is it, cause it sounds complex. Well, it needs to be part of a uh, much larger strategy because if you deploy it just as authentication engine for Wi-Fi, okay, that's fast and that's easy. It also should be authenticating things on your, your wired network and it should be handling your IoT policy. 
these are part of a, a bigger security structure, right? That's why NAC network access control is a part of a way to get you to that zero trust security model. There's a lot of other things that go on as far as policy procedures, the way that you're brokering your access to cloud applications and things like that. So it's NAC is just one piece and that works in conjunction with, with your firewalls and your policy and your cloud service providers and doing things like uh, access control list on your cloud service providers to prevent, uh, or if you're doing a secure web gateway solution, like something from a Zscaler, this all, all plays together. So it's part of a bigger strategy, but for your mid market, people that they know they need the enterprise security controls, they don't quite have the budget to it. They don't know how to do it. This is a great way to get you 99% of that super robust zero trust uh, networking security model without breaking the bank. So we've talked about size, the users where it would come into an as a service to make it cost effective, but what businesses right now should look into doing something like this? Uh, anyone that's worried about cybersecurity um, because you need to know who's on your network. If, if in the event that you do have a breach or there's a bad device that allows a breach to happen, something that makes a hole from the inside of the network to where something bad actor from the outside can get in. If you don't have visibility on your network and know who's behind devices and what that device is doing, you don't have a way to go through your security logs, audit things and find out what happened. You cannot triage the event. You might not even know you're breached. Right. And so that's one of the things it's like, you know, just cause you didn't know that a breach happened doesn't mean it didn't happen. And then depending on what um, sectors you work in, you have compliance to report these things. You have to let people know that you've been breached. If you do anything public works or anything with healthcare data or anything like that, if you're breached, not only you have to know you're breached, but you have to tell the people whose data you have that was breached. And I think probably all of us at one time or another in our lives has gotten a letter in the mail where somebody said they were breached to credit card company or something and offered you a year of identity protection or right, something. Right, exactly. <laughs> what, well, what's that company called? Not LifeLock. Uh, yeah, LifeLock. Is it LifeLock? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's one of the companies, yeah. but yeah. Well, just this week you put a post out about what was the Log4j? Yeah. I've gotten six emails saying, "Hey, you're you're safe with us, but we have used that free software or what was it? Right, right. It has to do with the Apache, which is the website of a lot of cloud services and, and um, web pages and stuff. So I want to say, you know, obviously if you're a micro business, you know, you got less than 25 users or whatever, it may be too expensive to implement it. Not that it's terribly expensive, but, or you just don't know, you don't have enough knowledge to understand that you need it. You, you need to know who's on your network. You right. need to know what they're doing. Like we even have solutions for like guest networks where we try to maintain knowing who's on the network. And there's, there's several different authentication mechanisms so that you can know who's even on your guest network. Now your guest network should be designed and security contained in such a way that they can't get to anything but the internet. They can't get to anything in your business. And, but let's say somebody um, committed a crime from your guest network and you had to participate with authorities and they know that it happened on a certain date. You should have, be able to have an idea of who connected to your guest network on that date. Now, one of the easiest things to implement that allows you to have an idea, it's not perfect, but that would be uh, SMS authentication. So that's text messaging. So somebody has to give you their phone number and has to receive a text message with the, the password to get on the network. And that password's just for them. And it goes through like a captive portal. And by doing that, and let's say you had 10 users that day use your guest network, you've got 10 phone numbers to give to the authority. So <laughs> in, in one, it helps you uh, participate with authorities if they have a warrant or whatever, and, or your provider needs to be able to provide that data. And so you have an audit trail. 
So because, you know, unfortunate to even think about, but there are people that will go find public Wi-Fi networks to do illegal activities such as like child pornography and things like that, because obviously they don't want that being tracked to their house. And so you don't want to run completely open guest networks because what happens is is if that your ip address gets flagged as having illegal activity if the fbi comes in they don't care they're going to seize everything with a hard drive in it everything with any kind of memory and you get it back when you get it back because they're going to do computer forensics on all of it but if you have an audit trail you can participate with the fbi like here here's our audit trail and then they're not going to take all your stuff so you could actually just partition what data they need. It was right. Phone you can, you can, show, yes, you okay. can say these 10 phone numbers accessed that or accessed our network on that day as guest turn it over. Tr- trust me. Transparency is good. There's a million scenarios you can talk about, but the larger you get as an organization being unable to detect breaches, being able, unable to know who's on your network becomes more and more risky. Now on your internal network, where you need that audit trail is if, if there's a security breach, as far as somebody gets ransomware at home, your antivirus and malware didn't catch it. They come to the network, they connect and it infects people in that security zone or whatever, then you need to be able to figure out what's going on and look at your security logs. And you can probably figure out what, um, you know, patient zero was (laughs) the first user to introduce it. But the whole thing is, is, um, it's usually the boss. Yeah. <laughs> well, not in my case, but it's usually- there's a, there's a, there's a lot of scenarios, but it's, it's always good to know who's on your network, what devices on your network, uh, the network access control. We briefly said something earlier about IOT, uh, network problem. Huge ne- problem. Yeah. But network access control can categorize devices and put them with the right set of rules to prevent bad things from happening. Because there's a lot of cool IOT stuff that makes your life better. I mean, you can have, dimmers for lights and you can have, uh, you know, wireless speakers and you can have environmental control systems, save you a little money, you know, change the thermostat when you're gone on the weekends and all that kind of stuff. Alexa. <laughs> I really don't like Alexa for an office <laughs> environment, but you know, that's personal preference. Uh. But all these things, the first thing you need in your network to know, understand what device is on your network and who's behind that device is a network access control appliance. And that works in conjunction with your next generation firewall and your security incident event management, your SIEM, as it's called industry. That's your log intake. That gives you a picture of what's going on in your network. One of the first places to start, if you don't have a clue, would be is network access control. That gets you that gets you so that you have some control over what the devices are doing on your network. And, and as we mentioned before, I, I like the fact that, let's say your laptop connects. If your virus definitions aren't up to date, like we talked about the iOS on the iPhone, if your virus definitions aren't up to date, you can be put in a quarantine VLAN until your machine updates its virus definitions. So if you have a local server for your CRM or something that's on your normal corporate network. Right. If that device does not have good definitions and doesn't have the latest security software, it can't get to your CRM. It'll go to that quarantine VLAN first. Then when it gets updated, it can connect to the regular network. Then it can finally get to the CRM. So you can have some level of standards and say, hey, you have to be, this is the minimum level of security controls you have to have in place before you can be on the corporate network, even if it's a corporate device. And again, it sounds like this is a lot of work. It sounds like someone has to be very knowledgeable about this, but you're saying it's no, part the, of the network access control does it for you. It's part of, okay. Part of. And if you don't have the staff to do it, that's why we have network access control as a service. 
And that's why that that's good for the mid market. Now we have other products and services that are, that are great. And if you're a larger organization, maybe a university or you know a regional law firm or something like that, you may have your own, may need your own network access control appliance. It's all about good planning and good execution. Once the project is uh, executed appropriately, the the maintenance on it is minimal. So basically, if you don't have a network access controller, you should probably buy into Bitcoin so you can pay the ransom. <laughs> uh, I don't recommend paying ransoms because it encourages bad behavior. Yeah, but this is getting out of control. No, no, no. It, it, it's it's devastating. And the scary part is, is where they do exploit your data and threaten to sell it and talk about the breach and all that kind of stuff. You have to have control in your network. You have to do your very best to prevent these things from happening. So it's considered the bouncer. I like that. Yeah. It's like, you know, you... You know, you get in the VIP room if your machine's <laughs> dressed right, has the right antivirus on it and all that kind of stuff. Well, and the more we, we rely on this stuff, I mean, it's good that you have a forensic team that can go through and take that data and say, look, right. this is uh, the audit trail. This is right. the person. And, it, and if you don't have the expertise, there's companies like ours and others that do security operations as a service. And that uses the artificial intelligence of several different vendors, whether it's a, a Fortinet or and there's other companies that do it. But they will take your logs, take your data, and it will review it and, and look for breaches and bad behavior. A mid-market company generally needs to outsource this stuff because it's so much cheaper than trying to retain cybersecurity staff and pay for all the software and pay the lifecycle management and all the things that get really confusing. Now there's large organizations where they have in-house cybersecurity, but they still need partners to help with integration, technology selection, procurement, those kind of things. So we are an Aruba partner, our Fortinet partner, our Cisco partner. So we, we have access to all those technologies and then we're also a Portnox partner and we have access to Portnox. So Portnox, I mean, we like it. It's definitely got its, um, Use case. It's not the right solution for a very large enterprise. It's not the right solution for federal government. It's not the right solution for state government, but it is the right solution for credit unions, banks. Um, they have credit union uh, credentials as far as um, certifications. They are HIPAA compliant as well. So particularly for non, what I call non-hospital backed IT. So you're talking chiropractors, uh, dentist office, uh, independent physician groups and things like that. These large hospital groups have a whole huge IT staff. Right. These smaller groups don't. These smaller groups, there's big gaps in their security because they don't have an on people on staff. And if they don't partner with the right companies or partner with the right technology, bad things can happen. And so I, I do see a big market gap for healthcare entities that are not backed by large hospital groups. And they could take advantage of something like a Pornox because if you have a lot of small offices, like you have three physicians working out of a dozen different offices, you need something that's a little easier to scale up and down in, in, in cloud-based like Pornox. Because if you deploy a larger enterprise type-based solution, you're going to have to have data center space, put a server in the data center, run on the data center, build VPN links to your data center. There's a lot more um, complexity involved that doesn't make sense for somebody that's uh, smaller. Right. Or mid-market. You don't do good discovery. The project's always going to take longer and always going to cost more because new questions come up later. Right. Changes come up later. And anytime you try to change something in the middle of a project, that's the most expensive time to change it. Well, one thing to realize, and this is for, this is directed at managers because the managers and um, people like that don't really know. IT has a lot of realms and your IT guy is not going to be an expert in every realm. 
truth be told, if somebody's an expert in two realms, they're doing pretty good. Uh, three's a rock star, and more than that, it's your geniuses. And so what happens is, is your typical IT guy that works for a smaller group, they are a systems administrator or an IT generalist, and they are busy with cell phone problems, laptop, desktop problems, printer problems, um, people resetting passwords, all the stuff, just, just the daily operations that take a lot of work to maintain your internal customers, maintain your staff. You know, if somebody forgot their password, they're trying to VPN in that day because they're remote work from home. So they need to help. And so they call your help desk or whatever. Those people do not have the time to become experts in cybersecurity. They do not have the time to become experts in VoIP. They don't have the time to become experts in Wi-Fi or network access control. It's too much to ask of them. And if you expect that of your IT person that is supporting end users, it's actually unfair because they have plenty to do just to support your internal users and expect them to know how to do everything. It's like asking a, you know, a guy that works on cars to also be a diesel mechanic and a locomotive mechanic and all these other kinds of things that some, sometimes uh, it, it, it's twofold, right? Sometimes managers expect too much. And sometimes the IT person's not willing to stand up for themselves and be like, Hey, I don't want to do that. I need okay. some help. All right. So let, let's say I'm a person that has been on the phone for the last nine minutes and I've missed a lot of this. Can you, can you wrap this all up? What, what's, what's a, <laughs> let's give the people a, a condensed version. With all a right. bow. We're, we're going to, I'm going to condense it down to just network access control as a portion portion of okay. a zero trust security model because zero trust security model, you could talk for a month about, but what network access control does is gives you advanced visibility control and automated response across your wired and wireless network. So what that really means is, is you're going to know what device is on your network, who's behind that device and where it needs to go. And that's what it's really all about. You need to identify the device and its condition. So that includes operating system and antivirus and things like that. You need to identify the user behind it to know that they're a user that's supposed to be using that device and is supposed to be on your network. And then you need to know where they want to go and you need to know what they need to do. So if they need access to office 365 and Salesforce, but nothing else, your network access control is going to make sure that they can only get to office 365 and Salesforce. Now, if they need access to HR records in your facility, that's on a local server, you know, and you have two HR people, they need access to that. But because that's protected information and people's private information, like social security numbers, obviously you don't want everybody to be able to access right, the HR right. records. And so really it's all about knowing who's on the network, what device they're using and where they need to go and why they need to go there. And that makes sure that the data in your organization only gets to the people that need it. And that prevents bad things from happening. I couldn't have said it better myself. So I love, even if, 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 just, just contact us. I'd love to talk about network access control or any other questions you have about this stuff, because I do know it gets confusing, but there's, there's ways to basically our discovery process, very in depth. We can look at it and we can put it in order of what's most urgent to least urgent. You don't have to do it all in one day. You don't have to do it all in one month, but you need a plan because, you know, failure to plan. What do they say about this <laughs> planning to fail? Right. Exactly. I'll be honest, just getting, getting a next generation firewall and some type of network access control is better than about 90% of organizations right now, because they're, especially in the mid market, the amount of organizations that have very little to no real cybersecurity right. is, is kind of frightening sometimes, or they use the wrong product because it's either inexpensive or their person that's not a very good cybersecurity person 
the company they work with now or whatever recommended it. And so, for example, two probably best firewalls are Fortinet and Palo Alto as far as catching threats and stuff like that. Now, they they can be expensive and Palo Alto is more expensive than Fortinet. But the, what the level of features and things they do is thousands of times over some, you know, ubiquity unify stuff, which isn't really a firewall. I don't care what anybody says <laughs> because it can't do next generation functions and understand what's happening with applications right. and stuff like that. And, and for to get today's security models, you have to be able to know what the application is and what it's doing. If the firewall doesn't have that level of visibility. It's not doing its job. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. So let's, let's say there's someone listening right now and they think they have it all figured out. What are a couple questions they can ask their IT department? And if they can't answer it correctly, they need to give us or someone like us a call. Can, uh, can the firewall inspect SSL certificates? Can you audit? <laughs> well, yeah. Do you, do you have an audit trail? Yeah. Is that firewall log going anywhere? And is anything being done with that data? Yeah. Not everyone can afford security incident event management and things like that, but at minimum you need logs. I mean, cause at least, at least a company can take those logs after the fact like us and analyze the logs and give you some answers. But uh, I highly, it's not as expensive as it used to be. I highly recommend that uh, if you're, if you're going to implement a good security solution that you have some type of um, event management, even if it's outsourced. So right now you walk down to your IT department and say, Hey, do we have event management? Yeah. Okay. And what else? So certificates, event management. Um, How are we knowing who's on the network and what their device state is? Gotcha. Uh, and that goes into network access control. And a lot of times you don't because, um, for example, if you do an older model for Wi-Fi authentication, you would do WPA2 Enterprise and you're only authenticating to like your Windows Active Directory. And so you have radius authentication, but you don't have a lot of visibility to the state of that device. So you're not knowing if the antivirus is up to snuff okay. and things like that before the device connects to the network. And there's different ways the different um, network access control appliances determine that. And some have to run agents on your devices. Some don't. That's a whole nother conversation. You know, I don't mind if, if, if you have concerns about your ID department and you want to come to me privately, get on my calendar without your IT staff and ask me for things you should be asking them. That's, that's fine. What's the code word if they call in? <laughs> There's no code word. Just to have a conversation <laughs> with me. We also don't want to, because your IT staff's probably not bad or bad people, right? We don't want to set them up for failure either. We don't want this to be an adversarial conversation. Um, we want this to be a, hey, we need to address these issues. How do we fix it conversation? And so sometimes those challenges are, are difficult, particularly when organizations are growing because they have the growing pains, right? And maybe their IT guy was more suited for a very small organization and the organization grows. And maybe your IT staff didn't grow because you didn't provide training or you haven't introduced any new products or you are not partnered with the right company to get you the solutions and make sure that your IT person has the training they need to maintain that solution. Right. And so one thing that we do often is that we actually, if you have a, buy a turnkey solution from us versus an as a service, we have to train your staff to support it at their level. So if you have obviously something breaks or something major happens, you're still going to contact us to fix it. But as far as uh, maintaining uh, user access and, and basic functions that should be able to be maintained by your local staff. And so you know, that's why these things are about partnerships. If you need help, we want to help you. But that doesn't mean we're necessarily going to get rid of your IT staff. That's probably not the right fit. You're always going to need, particularly if you're a mid-market company, you're always going to need somebody that supports end users. You need somebody to reset passwords. You need somebody to do printers and, you know, 
my monitor doesn't work and all those regular headaches. So it's not necessarily, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's about building partnerships, pairing you with the right solutions, which is one of the reasons we are vendor neutral because Fort Knox might be right. ClearPass might be right. Fortinac might be right. We don't know until we do discovery. That was easy. That was easy. You did good. Thanks for listening to the Mogility Networks podcast. We sure do appreciate it. And we hope you got a lot of value out of this cast.